Uh, well, kia ora, good morning. Uh, my name is Jeremy. If I haven't met you before, I'm one of the elders here at Rally Street, and it's my pleasure to bring you a message from God's Word today. You can see here we're starting a, a new series, Caution, Watch Your Step Following Jesus When We Stumble. In many ways, it continues on from our series that we were doing in the first term. We were looking at Jesus' teaching to his followers, his disciples, uh, talking on the road to the cross. He said, this is why I have come. I'm going to suffer and die and on the third day rise again. And uh, we saw uh, how we journey on that with that view in mind as we ran up to Easter. But now we're going to look at uh, the disciples in another part of it, around the time of his crucifixion, when it says that they stumbled or they fell away. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Matthew 26. We'll look at our text in a moment, but I also want you to look and see the context with which this passage sits. One of the uh, uh, great things about growing, uh, about being a parent of teenagers or young adults is that you get exposed to all sorts of different elements of your culture that you possibly weren't aware of too much. One of those that one of my children in particular is interested in is Christian rap music. And you'll hear a little bit of that uh, playing in behind there, a song called uh, Give Me That Fire, right? So they're very biblically based, very encouraging and uplifting music, even if it might not be your genre. Well, here's one of the most well-known ones in this Christian rap world. He was part of a movement called The Cross Movement, which was a bunch of seven uh, guys who grew up in Philadelphia in the, um, in the U.S., and uh, they formed this group called The Cross Movement, and they would perform their music and, and encourage people to be followers of Jesus Christ. Brady grew up in a, a Christian household. He remembers his mom praying for him very, very regularly, has uh, strong memories of his, his church life in the world that he grew up in. A number of years ago, to increase his knowledge, he went to a Bible school in the U.S., and some of the things that he was exposed to in that Bible school started challenging him, eating away at his faith. He still kept performing, and he was writing books about encouraging people to follow Jesus and how Christianity interacted with uh, Christian rap music world and uh, his African-American heritage. But there were things eating away at him that were eating and eroding at his faith. And then last year, he uh, sent this to his elders at his church. He said this, I sent a letter to my church withdrawing my membership and saying that I am denouncing the Christian faith that I have believed, professed, proclaimed, and defended for the last 30 years of my life. For those who only knew of him through his music, they were shocked. For those who were close to him, they weren't surprised at all because they had seen this developing. But how do you feel when you read that? Or when you hear of stories, maybe of ones that you had followed quite strongly or, and had taught you in the Christian faith, and you hear that they have moved away from it. What are the emotions that it brings out? Sorrow? Gr grief? That's right. A desire to pray for them? Yeah, it's good. But this is an interesting um, development that has happened very much lately is one's deconverting is the term that is used uh, um, to describe it these days, the most popular term. A deconversion from the faith. 
And what's different these days is is not only is there um, what, that this is happening to, but there's a whole world that is pulling them, uh, pulling you towards it. And it's not so much the well, it's very much the outside world, but it, this is not just the outside world now. There's a there's a group there that. Um, uh, are pulling people and encouraging people to move away from the Christian faith that they have believed in. So we see this in terms of books like this one called Le- Leaving the Fold or Godless, written by ones who would call themselves ex-evangelicals now is what they're terming themselves. And they will talk about their extimonies. There used to be testimony, and they would use the word extimony, the way their testimony of how they have pulled away from their faith. Um, there's, there's a bunch of podcasts one. There's one here called The Deconversion Podcast, where they talk about all elements of um, drawing away from your faith. Uh, there's YouTube channels there. Um, and uh, here's one, How to Deconstruct. Uh, how to deconvert, rather, in 10 easy steps. So in our social media explosion and our information age, there's all these ones now who are going, not only am I deconverting, but I want to pull you into this and drag you away from that faith you have believed in. It's a challenge for us. Let's read our text uh, to center us about what I want to talk about in this series, but but have those in, in your background and the thoughts there and with it. In Matthew 26, and uh, what's the story immediately in your Bibles before verse 30? That's right. It's the Lord's Supper. So he's just uh, initiated the, the communion feast that we will, we will have shortly. The bread, that he says, represents his body broken, and the juice, that represents his blood poured out for our forgiveness, for our restoration. Um, he's... And so he initiates this. We know from uh, the book of John that he goes around, this is where he goes around, and he washes all their feet to show his love for them. And at the end of that, verse 30, it says, And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Verse 31, it says, Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me. We often think of the classic story, you know, which disciple fell away. We would go, well, it's Judas, obviously. And then we scratch a little bit more. We might go, Peter, Thomas doubted, right? We're going to look at all those characters in the weeks going forward. But he says this, you'll all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Now, this is challenging, isn't it? Because... These are a group that, that, that were with Jesus for three years. They, they, they saw his miracles. They saw him, um, the, the deaf were made to hear, the, the, the blind were made to see. He even raised people from the dead. We saw lepers being healed. They saw all of that. They saw Jesus' interactions with religious leaders and, and outcasts, the ones that they said were sinners, the other. And he would, would bring them in and share the same good news, treat them on the same level, right? And often uh, castigate the, the religious leaders of the day because of the heavy burdens that were putting on them and the, and the legalistic religion that they would have. They saw all of this. And sometimes we think, well... If, if Jesus were here, if Jesus were, were physically here, if Jesus, were, well, if I had three years with Jesus where I was, I was hanging out and seeing him in action, it would, it would change my faith and I would, I, it would deepen it and I would never fall away. But Jesus says, here, you're all going to. And the challenge for us in this series is to consider this. 
Are they so unlike us that they would fall away and we wouldn't? Because they believe they wouldn't. Listen to Peter here. Peter answered them, though they all, they all fall away <laughs> because of you, I, I will never fall away. Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. And I think what we want to explore in this series is considering the situation and the circumstances that, that cause us to doubt or to rethink. And what do I do in those spaces? What do I think? How do I make sure that I'm not going to go into that space? Now, the first point I want to make is that Jesus here, or the Scriptures say, this idea of falling away is not new. <laughs> Right? We, this is not some new phenomenon that's just popped up. Falling away was there right from the very beginning. Look at this. He, the writer to the Hebrews says this, Take care, brethren, that there not be any one of you in an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. He was aware that that was a possibility there. First Timothy 4, But the Spirit explicitly says that in later times, it's the times that we live in, some will fall away from the faith paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. We could investigate in that another day. But it's this idea that, that something will call and draw and cause people to fall away. So he says it was there in that day, and it's going to be there in your day. Matthew 24, Jesus himself has said, At that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. Again, he's, he's looking forward into events that would take place in the future, and, and at those times, people would fall away. We see this as part of the, the, the future events that were going to usher in Jesus' second return. In Second Thessalonians, he says, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, a day of Christ's return, a day of, 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 of judgment and renewal and recreation, unless there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. So we see there a very specific set of, of ways that, but in all of these you'll see, He's saying there's a normality for some falling away. Now, just to be clear, when I'm talking about falling away, I'm not just going, it's all people who, are, who where there's apostasy or deconversion, or they all just walk away from, from the faith, right? Um, we'll talk another time about the topic of eternal security. But uh, just in this thing, think about this idea of movement away from belief or from faith. It's this idea of falling. And there's many different ways that it can happen, many different ways that it can go about. What's the story, or many ways that it can look? What's the story immediately after this one in our scriptures? That's right. He goes into the Garden of Gethsemane, and, he's, and he says, his hour has come, and he's going away to pray, and he's going to plead with the Father, and he's going to be in so much anxiousness about what is about to happen when he goes in the, to, the, to the cross and God's wrath is poured out upon him. And it says that he was in so much anxiety over it that the very capillaries in, uh, in his skin would rupture and the sweat would, would come up mixed with blood and pour down the, on the ground. And he says, while I'm over there doing this, would you just keep watch and pray? And what do they do? They fall asleep. See, we, we think falling away is this, is this dramatic movement away from Jesus. But I tell you what, a lot of our 
falling away is just we fall asleep. When we're meant to be awake, when Jesus says, watch out for what is going on, we, we, we should be active in pursuing God's kingdom work in this world. We should be evangelizing and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. He's saying all of this is upon us and what we should be doing. And what are we doing? We're asleep. We're asleep when we should be awake. This is a real deep call on us about what we should be doing. There's a man by the name of John Marriott who wrote a book called The Anatomy of Deconversion. And it's a very clever book. He says, well, how do you find out about this? Well, why don't you go and ask people? Go and have conversations with those who have deconverted. And in those stories, he, he, he sees if there's any common themes running through it. And he said there's two main uh, camps that seem to initiate this process of deconversion. And the first one is an intellectual one. You know, th th there's, there's issues that you find with, um, with, with compilation of the Bible or suffering. Suffering and evil is always a, a big one with it. Right, so there's this intellectual sort of one that, 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 that goes on with it. But he says there's a second category which is, which is much larger and in many ways precedes that, that first category that we talked about. And in this category, he says, it's this idea of hurt. There's some sort of precipitating event, might be hurt from, from the church that you were part of or some event hurt that you receive in your life that you thought was unfair or however kind of, this is how he describes it in here. And when that, a bad experience happens and God doesn't live up to our expectations, which actually I think is the, probably the greater problem here, there's a sense of betrayal and we really expect God to come through for us. And there's this deep reciprocity principle that I think we all operate by that says, if you live for God and you're serving God, then there should be positive things that come out of that. And how come I've lived for God my whole life and now all these terrible things are happening to me? He's letting me down. He's kind of betrayed me. And maybe he's not even there. I think he's right. I think there's this place there where we have expectations of what God is like and how he should act and how, particularly how he should act in my life. And even though Jesus never promises, and in fact, the opposite, he says, you're going to get in trouble because of me, right? Trouble yesterday, trouble today, trouble tomorrow. Trouble is what you will experience in your life, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Right? So, so he says, even in James, James says, consider it pure joy when you face trials. Why? Because trials encourage perseverance of your faith. And as it moves on through, it becomes uh, an improvement in your character. Right? This, this is where maturity comes from. Maturity comes through trials. But there's something that sits in there with our wrong expectations of God that precipitate this disappointment, this doubt that kind of eats and nags in that space that when there's a, uh, an expectation not met the problem isn't with god the problem is with us and so one of the aspects that we're going to talk about right the way through the series in terms of preventing falling away is to make sure that we're taking god on his terms about who he is about the way he operates not on the way that i would have him to be what are your expectations Maybe a better question is this. 
Where are the places in your life where you're disappointed with God? Because we all are. I am. There's places where I think things should be different or better, <laughs> right? And then what do I do in those spaces and places where disappointment and doubt operate? Augustine, or his full title, Saint Augustine of Hippo, uh, he said this, if you believe what you like in the gospel and reject what you don't like, it is not the gospel you believe, but yourself. And so we need to, in this concept of the possibility of falling away, we need to make sure that uh, what we are believing in is correct. It's interesting in Brady's story, uh, just listening to him as he talks about some of the process that went on, he reflects uh, back on his experience in growing up in the church. And two things stood out to me as I was listening to it. One is he grew up in a church that uh, was very much prosperity gospel. Prosperity gospel is this idea that uh, Jesus came so that you would be healthy, wealthy, and happy. And so that's the framework on which God operates. And you can hear in the way Brady talks, he re realized that that framework is a terrible way to understand God. But in unpacking um, his faith, um, sometimes what we're doing is actually deconstructing a God who is not even the correct one that is described in our scriptures. The other one that stood out in terms of him thinking about the faith that he grew up in is he was driven very much by a fear of hell than probably a being drawn to the love and gracious goodness of Jesus Christ. Isn't that an interesting one about how we have our expectations and how we have our framing? Jesus references in, um, uh, he uses a quote from Zechariah, Zechariah 13, about the, the shepherd being struck. We'll talk a lot more next week about how we understand this idea of shepherd being struck. But he says it's not just the crucifixion. He says on this very night you'll fall away. So it begins with this arrest when Jesus the leader is taken away from them and all of a sudden they're, they're faced with their existence without Jesus there and possibly not coming back, how they respond. And so Jesus says, the shepherd will be struck, the sheep will scatter. But it's interesting in Zechariah 13, the first verse of Zechariah 13, you take that in its entirety of which um, Jesus' prophecy is part of. He says this, on that day a fountain will be opened to the house of David, the Jewish people, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and impurity. You see, the prophetic thing about the shepherd being struck was part of a framework about why the shepherd had come in the first place. The shepherd had come so that we could be cleansed from our sin, from our failure, from our rebelliousness, from our impurity. To be brought back into God's family, forgiven, redeemed, paid for with a price. This is what Jesus is doing. This is the message that he's calling. And there's a little phrase there that Jesus says in Matthew 26 that I think is really good and helpful. You see, Jesus doesn't go, you're going to fall away. Now I'm going to give you seven steps so that you won't. Right? 
He doesn't give them some sort of process. He just says this, but after I am raised up, I will go before you. In this instance, into Galilee. And there's two elements here that I think are at play. The first one is this, is Jesus is working to a program of this grand story that's laid out where this beautiful creation was made, but in the fall, in our rebellion and our sin, we turned our backs and said, we want to do things our own way. We don't want you part of it. And there's a whole restoration process that's talked about through the grand narrative of the story. And that centers around what Jesus is, the life of Jesus, but also his death and his resurrection. And so there's a plan that God is enacting here, this grand rescue plan. And he says, I'm carrying on with it. Even in the hurt and betrayal, even though I wash your feet to show how much I love you and you're going to turn your back on me, I'm carrying on with the plan of going to the cross and dying in your place for your sin. And part of that plan is that three days after he dies, he will be raised to life so that we know that what he did on the cross was confirmed by rising from the dead. Death no longer had ownership over him. Like anyone who is in Christ, death has no longer has ownership over you. He has conquered it, and he is the first fruits of those who will follow. And so he says, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be raised up. I'm carrying on with my plan. And then he gives them an invitation. I will go up before you. And this is the invitation that sits there with it, isn't it? The invitation is still going on. Jesus is still enacting his plan in this world. Now it's through the Holy Spirit in the lives of believers in our Christian community. This plan is still being worked its way out as we spread this good news and share it with the people around us, right? He's still inviting. He's saying, I'm going before you. Are you coming? Are you with me? Jesus' message begins with an invitation and so our challenge this morning is, are we? And, and how does that look? And, and, and how is it enacting in your life? How are you showing that you're awake, not asleep? How is it showing that you're full of joy and hope, even though there are some disappointment and doubt that sit in amongst it? How are you reframing and making sure that your eyes are fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith? We talked about Brady at the start, and um, I want to uh, close with uh, uh, just a little uh, message that came from the other members of this cross movement. I said there were seven of them. The other six of them have all come out, and uh, they've, they've expressed their love for Brady, even though they don't agree with the path that he has taken. But I love how one member, John Vitonic Wells, said this. He said, Myself, I'm still a servant of Jesus Christ and determined more than ever to serve him with my last breath. So I'm telling you more than be discouraged, be encouraged. We still stand firm. Our God is still securely on the throne. You see, we hear these stories at times rolling through, but we can easily forget the stories about those who are holding on, <laughs> even though the, the strong pull there is away from Jesus Christ and our faith, we're holding on. And so I encourage you, make appropriate um, uh, 
when you get doubts and disappointments or, or broken expectations with that, make sure that you bring it out into the open. Uh, talk about it with someone who you trust. Um, we're going to talk about progressive church in a moment and elective. There will be other things that come through this series. We can come along and express your questions and ask those things and bring them out into the open. But we leave you with this, with Jesus' invitation. See, he's still raised up. He now sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding for those who are in Christ on his behalf. He's still going before us um, with purposes and plans that he prepared before the beginning of this world for us to walk in and do. And that's our invitation. Jesus is still at work. Let's make sure that we watch our step and that we're not stumbling. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this message for us today. Lord, thank you for the warning. The reality is we are not unlike these disciples. Lord, we can let wrong expectations, inappropriate doubts and disappointments. We can have these questions that we don't pursue in the right places and we can let them pull us and drag us away or just even make us be sleepy Christians. Lord, would you help us? Show us those places. Uh, take us to the right places where we've got um, good information that will encourage us in our faith rather than pull us away so that we as a community will follow the resurrected Jesus Christ and we will respond to the invitation as you go before us. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.